Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week, we're going to talk about recipe for a heart-healthy divorce. Recipe for a heart-healthy divorce is the only formalized approach that I know of that addresses what to do in the discussion to divorce before you even file, how to juxtapose the timing before filing with filing, and how important it is to make that that separation of time. That's one ingredient. The second ingredient is learn communication skills for conflict because you're absolutely going to need them. The third ingredient in this recipe for a heart-healthy divorce is learn to compartmentalize time because the divorce can easily overtake every second of your life and literally destroy you and cause you ill health. You have to learn how to put divorce in its place, so to speak, meaning you have to carry on your life. You may have children, you definitely have a job and other responsibilities. And then there's divorce. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And then lastly, the fourth ingredient is develop a self-care program with laughter. I know we don't think about laughter in divorce, but we have to have it because divorce should not destroy you. It should serve to make you stronger and refocus. So I developed this concept after working in the family law arena for 12 years, going on 12 years now, uh, and having a podcast for a little over four years. I got to know many different experts from judges to attorneys to authors, therapists, divorce coaches, financial people. So many different people will bring to the table and have their individual areas of expertise, but there has never been one formalized approach to divorce that will help you in the four most important areas that you're going to find yourself a divorce. Now, I actually do individual coaching on this, so this is a... uh, a shameless plug for myself, but it's important. It is important that you talk to somebody that can help you organize yourself from the first inclination that there's going to be a divorce through the entire transition of it. So here we go. Recipe for a heart-healthy divorce, a four-step approach to getting divorced in the healthiest way so that your life can remain as stable as possible so you can spend the least amount of money but at least spend money where you need to spend it and so that you don't lose your job you don't get fired you don't have your employer asking you what the heck is going on your your work performance doesn't seem to be what it used to be and not to get ill so all right Here we go. Recipe for a heart-healthy divorce. The first ingredient, settle the emotional divorce before filing for the legal divorce. What people don't understand is that the uncoupling process is a whole process 
unto itself. And if you try and go through what we call the grief stages of divorce, if you don't go through those first, and you will go through them as you're filing, you're talking about a horrible situation. You really are. You can't make sound legal decisions while you're emotional and processing everything that is going on in your life from why did we get married? Where did we go wrong? And how are we going to move forward, especially if we have huge assets and debts to deal with and we have children? So what people don't understand is there is a grieving stage that goes on in divorce. From the second that you, if you are just the only person in your marriage thinking about divorce right now, if you're having an affair, if you're about to have an affair, if intimacy hasn't been part of your relationship for a while, the person who thinks about it first grieves first, and then they tell their spouse that they want a divorce. But they go through these huge emotional stages. So some of the grief stages are shock, denial, bargaining, anger, depression, acceptance, and guilt. Well, guilt goes before acceptance. So guilt and acceptance. Once you hit acceptance, then you can file. So there was this woman named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She was a a Swiss-American psychologist, and she wrote this book called On Death and Dying. And she developed the five grief stages of death. Well, more than likely, your spouse is going to be living after the divorce is final. So there are two more grief grief stages, because if you have children, you have to deal with one another and you better get this relationship straight. This this exit out of the marriage into divorce, you better get it straight. There better be some level of acceptance and forgiveness. And by the way, forgiveness is not to let the other person off the hook. That is not what forgiveness is about. And please don't go, I want to be the bigger person. Because now you're competing. Now there's ego involved and you can't really do that. So you have to get to a point where in order to release the hurt, you have to forgive that the divorce is even happening and you have to forgive your other spouse if there were events leading up to the divorce that you weren't part of. You know, There have been people that have come here for divorce, and many of them have been living in a marriage where a third person existed, and they didn't know it for a while, and sometimes the length of the marriage, and all of a sudden, that's the thing that broke the marriage up, that they found out that there was a third person. Okay, well, that's shocking unto itself. That's a huge deal, especially if it's a very long-term marriage. But it's also devastating in the short term, too. So let's just say an affair just started, started a few months ago. It's still devastating. 
or you just grew out of love. You know, we have people that have been married 20, 25, 30 years that now that the life expectancy is much longer than it used to be, don't want to live in a relationship that lacks an intimacy that isn't growing, where people have just kind of stopped and planted themselves some years ago in whatever reality they're living in. And they don't do things together anymore. They don't go on dates. They don't talk. They don't, they aren't physically intimate. So when you have a situation like that, that's probably the easiest situation that would occur that you just grew out of love. It's nobody's fault. Nobody did anything. You had a wonderful marriage for many years. You raised wonderful children and you want to go to the events in your children's lives, the college graduations, marriages, weddings, grandchildren. You want to go to all of these events and you want to feel comfortable with your former spouse. So you have to grieve the marriage, even if it's amicable. Believe me, there's grieving. I've often talked about my divorce. I was asked for it and I knew the marriage wasn't good. It still is extremely devastating to hear the words, I want to be divorced from you. It's still devastating. So you owe that to yourselves to go through the emotions of the divorce, of the uncoupling, I call it, before you file. Now, where did I learn this? Well, I didn't understand that's how I approached my divorce. We couldn't file immediately. Well, yes, but we couldn't sustain it. There were there were uh, time frames in which things had to get done and f- just for various reasons it wasn't possible. So, we had to regroup and do it at a later date, which was great because I got a year to grieve. And after that year was over, I kind of just snapped out of it and said, okay, ready to roll, ready to resume my life with laughter and happiness. I learned this, though, later on when I got into the family law business, I learned it from two clients. In each case, I said to them as we were signing what is called the judgment package, it's the last thing that you submit and it has the settlement agreement in it and a bunch of other final forms. So as we were signing the judgment package, I said to both of these clients individually, how is it that you were so nice to one another? You were kind. You never argued. It was literally a pleasure filing for you. And I know this is one of the most important times in your life. And they each said, Judy, it wasn't like that at the beginning. We were arguing. We were blaming. We weren't forgiving. We weren't accepting. They hadn't gone through the grief stages. And they just said, but we don't want to do this. We want to be kind to one another. When we have to make these decisions regarding assets and debts and possibly support, we want to do it with a a clear head and an open heart. So they waited. They each got therapy. And uh, there wasn't divorce coaching like there is now 12 years ago. So they each got therapy and they worked through why the divorce was happening And at the end of that, total acceptance, forgiveness, 
And then they introduced themselves and filed with me. What an amazing difference. And this is when you can save money. You don't need to hire attorneys to represent you because you're able to communicate to one another. Now, I always say you must go to attorneys to learn the law of your state so that you are well-versed in what's coming up in the legal decisions. But the fact that you're not angry with one another again, the fact that you're not bargaining, the fact that you've accepted, the fact that you've forgiven each other means everything when you go to make these legal decisions. And so when you go to see an attorney, it's simply to be educated. You don't need to hire an attorney to talk for you because you can talk. So that was really, really great. And literally my first podcast episode in early March, 2019 was with one of those two couples. It was the wife. And she really wanted to share her process with everybody. I was extremely happy that she wanted to do that. And that started my podcast series. Then when you go into the legal part of it, you don't have to hire attorneys. You can hire document preparation people. Yes, you can do it yourself. But I'm telling you, I don't care what state you're in. It's just too hard. You're going to want to pull your hair out if you do it yourself. And there are online services that are better than others. I know of one online service, Bliss Divorce. They work solely in California. I've mediated for some of those clients and filed for some of those clients. They've hired me and they're wonderful. Literally, they do the best of both worlds. They have an online presence. And so there are a little more than uh, most online services, but you get to work with human beings like me, which is great because you need a human being as part of the process. You just do. You need not to ask for legal advice sometimes, but to understand why things, why the laws are, are are the way they are. You know, what do you really have to do? What do you not have to do? The timing of everything. So there's questions that non-attorneys can answer. We won't give you legal advice, but Bliss Divorce is one of the uh, entities for online divorcing that is a hybrid of online and human being support. So the first ingredient Oh, wait a minute. Before I go to the second ingredient, I've got to tell you this short story. So when I do my coaching, it's much expanded. Each each ingredient is a a week or two unto itself, maybe a month unto itself, just depending on where you're at in your process and how difficult the situation may be. But I have to tell you a cute, quick story. There's a judge in Indiana, Terry Crone, C-R-O-N-E, and I believe he works on the appellate level in family law in Indiana, meaning if you don't like what the judge said in the regular family law court, you can disagree with it and go to appellate. So Terry Crone has been quoted as saying, every time I get pro-par litigants, people representing themselves in my courtroom and they're fighting like cats and dogs, although cats and dogs don't normally fight, but love the saying, and they're fighting like cats and dogs. 
it's always over the velvet Elvis painting metaphor. There seems to be a velvet Elvis painting in every divorce where people are fighting. And it's never about the velvet Elvis painting. It's always about the hurt that hasn't been healed before they decide to file. So even judges get it great. Even though we think judges may not have a heart because of the rulings they make sometimes, judges have a heart. There's a woman named Judge Michelle Lorenz that wrote The Good Karma Divorce. She did the same thing, she said, when she was on the family law bench in Illinois and pro-par litigants would come into the courtroom and they're just be, they would just be arguing. She said, you're not ready to make legal decisions. You're not. I want you to go. I want you to settle the emotions however you have to do it and then come back when you're ready to talk without arguing. So it's important that we settle the emotions of the divorce, settle the emotional divorce before we file for the legal divorce. Okay, ingredient number two, learn communication skills for conflict because you're going to need them. Even if you feel your divorce is amicable, things are going to happen along the way. Emotions are going to get triggered and you have to know how to communicate. We're not taught how to communicate in conflict at all, ever in any situation. But especially if you're married to a narcissist, a sociopath, somebody who's bipolar and doesn't always take their meds, uh, split personalities are very difficult. You're going to have to hire attorneys for this. I'm pretty sure. There are certain situations that you just need representation for. But in the communication stage, even if you're going to have to hire an attorney, you want the communication to be right. So I go to the guru of conflict communication, Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. Go on Amazon. He's written, I've lost track of the number of books, 30. On my website, Divorce Resource Inc., I-N-C, divorceresourceinc.com, I have in the resource section all the books I knew of up until the point that I... um Week the website a year or two ago. He may have more. Bill Eddy has an acronym that I teach. It's called BIF. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. That's how he approaches difficult communication. So if you're communicating with a very high conflict personality and they send you a horrible email or text, First of all, do not answer it the day they send it unless it has something to do with your children and it's a dire situation. Other than that, you're not obligated to answer. And the best thing to do is not answer. That's what Bill says. Wait, take a breath. Wait a day. Really think about what you want to say and how you want to say it, but he's here to help. His method, Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm, really addresses conflict in a way that it neutralizes it as much as humanly possible so that you don't become part of the conflict. Your job is to neutralize the conflict. Now, don't forget when we're upset, when we're a high conflict personality, the brain isn't functioning like other brains function. It's in fight or flight mode and it's in self-defense mode. 
So you have to understand, even if people are narcissists, and I know that's the personality disorder du jour, and people don't even want to label high conflict personalities anymore with narcissist, sociopath. Um, they want to address people as individuals, which is fine not to pigeonhole. But for me, I got to tell you, I need to define people so that I understand who I'm dealing with and how to respond properly. So I want to give you an example of um, a perfect way of dealing with a high conflict personality or a narcissistic personality. Um, a narcissistic personality that always tries to control time. That's one of the definitions of narcissism. This innate need to control and to always be right and to never negotiate. And that makes you, the person that's dealing with the narcissist, a basket case and feeling victimized. So I want you out of that victim role. You don't need to be a victim. All you need to do is learn how to communicate. So here's a situation. This is um, parents are getting along. And they're doing things as a family, but they, one person has to be careful of the other. So it's it's a family of four, two small children, ages three and five. It's the five-year-old's piano recital day. There is a rehearsal. It's a Sunday. There's a rehearsal early in the afternoon, and then later in the afternoon is the recital. And everybody performing has to go to the um, to the rehearsal. Mother and two children are in the car in front of the house and waiting for dad. Dad uh, isn't coming out. They wait a few minutes. Uh, the appointed time has already been established to leave. I know this is sounding familiar to a lot of people. Anyway, mom calls dad's cell phone and says, we're ready to leave. We're out front. And dad says, oh, I'm jumping in the shower now. 20 minutes, I'll be down. Now, mom could have gone ballistic. She could have upset herself. She could have upset the children. But this mom knew Biff, and she employed it, and here's what it sounds like. Okay, honey, no problem, or if you're not on the honey level, okay, and you name, okay, uh, Charles, go ahead and take your time. Uh, we're going to leave now. If we wait 20 minutes, we'll be late for the rehearsal. The uh, address is on the refrigerator. I put it there a while ago, but you've already been there. You'll know where it is. We're leaving now. We look forward to seeing you. Done. Nobody's upset. Kids are fine. Okay. Daddy will be there. No big deal. So what did she do? She didn't argue. She didn't need to be right. She addressed the situation properly. We need to go. We don't have 20 minutes. We don't even have 10 minutes now. We gave you five minutes waiting. But she neutralized it. What was dad going to say? Well, dad could have said, what are you talking about? I'll be down in 20 minutes. We're not going to be late. I'll drive fast. Then that would have been a negotiation. Uh-uh. This was already pre-established. Everybody knew what time they had to leave the house. Everybody knew what time L.A. traffic was like. Everybody knew what time the rehearsal was. It was a no-brainer. 
we're either all committed or we're not. And if we're not, don't let it throw you. Go with the flow, but stand your ground in a way that doesn't incite an argument. Accept the terms and choose a remedy. Don't argue what you can't control. Execute what you can control and do it in a kind, gentle way. And so if the response back was, okay, my God, I can't believe you're not going to wait. It's just, see you there. That's called being firm. See you there. No negotiating. Look forward to seeing you there. Okay, you can do it that way. One other thing about responding. So let's just say you're sitting at work. Now, you don't, no employer wants you responding to personal texts unless there is a um, an emergency with your children. Obviously, everybody understands that. Unless there's an emergency with your children or a family member, you don't need to be texting your soon-to-be former spouse. And best that you don't, if it's just harassment, you don't need that. In fact, I'll give you a little tip today. Get a completely separate email that doesn't come to your cell phone, that is only on your home computer. So that when you go home at night, you can address your emails. And I'm going to get to compartmentalizing time in a second. But I want to just finish with communication skills for conflict. So now you know Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm, but you don't know silence is golden. Silence is golden. So if you have a spouse that just wants to rile you up, just wants to be mean, you don't know what's going to happen to you. You know you should have never filed for divorce. You have no idea what I'm going to do to you. I'll take everything. And it's stuff like that. This is what you normally get in an abusive relationship with an abusive spouse. Don't respond. You don't need to respond. Ever. Or. If it really does require a response somehow, some way, like in the lead up to divorce, if you divorce me, I'm going to take everything and I'm going to get full custody of the kids. Now, you know, that throws everybody off. Everybody somehow believes their spouse who doesn't know the law and is threatening that if you do what you want to do to make you happy, like divorce me, I will make your life a living hell. Okay, there may be a need for a restraining order if it's really death con. But for the normal non-death con where you have somebody that just isn't accepting, is angry and wants to hurt you, here's what you can say when you finally do address that text or email at least 24 hours later. All you have to say is, We're going to have legal professionals involved. Let's just wait and see how they help us and direct us. You're not arguing the point by doing that. You're not, oh my gosh, what are you saying? How can you say that? You're not going there at all. All you're saying is, well, let's just wait and see. Or you can simply say, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, you hear me, but do you know I'm serious? I'm going to take you for everything. People are actually afraid and think that one person can take everything from the other person. Ain't true. Will never happen. In no state will that happen. 
one person will not leave the marriage completely destitute and the other person has everything. Now, there may be some cultures where you will obey the culture rather than the laws of your state. Well, that's your decision. That is your decision. I cannot speak to that right now in in this podcast context. And we can talk about that in a coaching situation. So that that's we'll leave that for later if you want some individual help on it. But um, why do you think the other spouse knows what they're talking about? They don't. Or they would never say that because they're going to embarrass themselves. So all you have to say is, I hear you. What do you mean you hear me? You're okay with me taking everything? I hear you. Let's just wait till we get people involved. That's all. Talk to you later. It's really that simple. If you don't get flustered, if you don't give power to the other person that they just don't have, the other person does not have the power they tell you they have. They just don't. That's what laws are for, to help you. Okay, third ingredient, compartmentalizing time. This is so important because we don't know how to do that. In our American culture, we multitask. In our culture, uh, if we don't get therapy, if we don't get a coach, if we don't get somebody to help us focus emotionally, all we'll do is stress about the divorce. Every second of every day at work, at play, going out to dinner with people until somebody says to us, you got to stop. I can't take this anymore. You just have to stop. You don't want to lose your job. So here's how I came upon compartmentalizing time. First of all, I did it in my divorce, but I did it organically. Um, I was in the entertainment industry at the time, and it was very demanding, and I kind of welcomed that. I welcomed that, and we didn't have cell phones at that time. <laughs> Thank God we had regular phones, and so we had to be called. And I think email was just being introduced. It was the early 90s. Anyway, compartmentalizing time. I mourned the divorce after work, at night, when I went walking. And that takes in the self-care program, but we'll get to that in a second. So compartmentalizing time. If you get a separate email address where everybody helping you with the divorce only emails that email and only have it on your home computer, that will help you enormously to focus on work when you're at work and to focus on the kids when you're at home and only check that email after they go to bed. But I additionally learned this, so I didn't know what I was doing, you know, when I was going through my divorce. I just did what was natural to me, uh, which is why I so know the recipe for a heart-healthy divorce works. I organically chose that and went through it, And it worked out just fine in in a very sad situation, amicable but sad. During the pandemic, it was really, really rough on people because you couldn't get separate residences. Everybody was working at home. Nobody was apartment hunting at the time. You know, if you were in a rental, that was like a whole different 
issue, uh, paying rent while maybe you uh, were on a reduced income. Do not do divorce work while you're at work. During the pandemic and still those who work at home, I mean, you're at the scene of the crumbling marriage. If you're working from home, maybe you have to sell the home. Maybe both you and your spouse have to still live there because you're organizing your finances. That's a very difficult situation to live together and go through divorce unless you've healed properly. And most people can't heal properly while they're living together. You have to get a separate bedroom. You know, you can't stay in the same bedroom. So what if you're not set up? What if you don't have a house large enough or an apartment, a condo large enough um, to do that? Well, spend some time by yourself. Leave the house. Uh, go do, write in a journal somewhere at a restaurant. You know, Go through an emotional process on your own, but compartmentalize that time. So I was talking to a client. So here's how I learned it from one of my clients. I was talking to one of my clients on the phone one day, and she was telling me how stressed out she was and how it was so difficult to get the divorce stuff done, to work, and to raise the kids. And I said, and she was at work. While she was telling me this, I said, okay, let's do this. This is the first time I thought about this a few years ago. I said, how about you don't feel obligated to respond to me during the day? I mean, I have to email you and call you during the day and leave messages. I have to because I work during the day. But I'm not going to expect you to respond until later at night or early in the morning before you go to work. And so we set up that arrangement and it it helped her. It really helped her. And then we looked at other ways she could compartmentalize time. And I'm telling you, if you are doing divorce work at your job, you you put yourself in a position of losing your job because you're not going to be as productive. You're going to... If you're prone to talking about the divorce all the time, no one's going to want to listen to you at a certain point, whether you're at work or your family and friends, they just don't want to. And then you're going to have to muzzle your family and friends a little bit at a certain point. You know, if you really feel like you're on solid ground and there's a certain way you want to go through your divorce, And it may not be what your family and friends want you to do, but it feels right to you. Compartmentalize that. Don't talk to them all the time or tell them divorce talk is off the table. I'll let you know when I need help. But right now, I don't feel that I do. I think I have it together. And they just have to respect that. So there's two different ways we compartmentalize time. We compartmentalize the time, the daily time and when we assign time for divorce work. And if you can do that and tell everybody you're working with on the divorce, even your soon to be ex, that you're not going to be returning texts, emails, or phone calls while you're working. But when you're not working, 
at the pre-established time that you will deal with all of their communication and the paperwork that you have to do. If you are committed to doing that and consistent, everything will work out beautifully. It'll be impressive how you flow through the divorce. And then fourth, develop a self-care program with laughter. Well, we've all heard that laughter is the best medicine, right? Even people who have uh, presumably terminal illnesses sometimes have converted those illnesses to health with laughter. Laughter, the endorphins, the chemical change in our bodies with laughter improves our health. I mean, I have had clients that have gotten really sick, um, melanoma cancer, because they've stressed so much over the divorce, because they've talked about it at work. They've, their whole personality has changed at work. Their employer, if their employer is sensitive and kind, can I help you? What's going on? You're not yourself. You know, well, I'm going through divorce. Okay, that's fine. Do you need some time off to process? So you, your employer has noticed this and they're going to be kind for a while. But if your work product suffers, they're not going to be kind for very much longer. They're just not because they have a business to run. So this is self-preservation. Exercise along with laughter is so very important. I mean, moving your body, it changes the chemical balance in your body. It changes the brain waves. You can focus differently. If you exercise outside, just walking, you're breathing in, hopefully, clean air. I hope you choose the right place to walk. But yes, it just reinvigorates you and you get to rebalance yourself. You get to look around nature, other people, animals. Take your, if you have a dog, take your dog on the walk. If you have a cat, I don't know what should you do with the cat. I had a cat that actually walked with me. I didn't even have her on a leash. She just loved being next to me and we walked around the neighborhood together. That was so cool. I can't tell you, but. In Los Angeles and in Vermont, and I don't know the number of other states, there's a thing called goat yoga. It was really created by two women who had a goat farm, I believe in Vermont, if not Massachusetts, but I think Vermont. And then adopted in wacky LA because, you know, we like really unusual things. But I went to goat yoga, not for the divorce, just to see what it was like. We laughed so hard. These goats, there were three of them, were so adorable. We had to sign a goat waiver that if the goats went to the bathroom on you or started nibbling at your personal belongings, that you wouldn't get mad and sue. Oh, we signed that so fast. We were there to have a good time. And the yoga was great. It wasn't super advanced yoga, but it was enough that you got a workout while these little creatures were walking around you. And then this same place has puppy yoga, little puppies running around you. So there are things you can do that will help you in a self-care program. I mean, self-care takes in divorce coaching and therapy as well, but that's for your head and your heart. You need to be physically active as well. Laughter, 
self-care program with laughter. If you go on the Mayo Clinic website, by the way, they talk about laughter as the best medicine and they give you all these great reasons why. So that's it. Recipe for a heart healthy divorce. Please, if you would like individual coaching on this, I am happy to do it because honestly, there is no other four pronged or multi pronged approach that starts from before you file for divorce to help you organize yourself emotionally uh, through communication skills that are perfect for a divorce through managing your time properly so that you can add on this traumatic experience with all the other trauma in your life, to developing a self-care program that really helps you do the other three ingredients because you're happier than you were. That's it. So you can reach me through this website, of course, uh, Speaker Pipe on the episode page, and it'll come right to my email. Or if you want to just use my divorce email, Judy at divorceresourceinc.com, Judy, J-U-D-Y at divorceresourceinc.com. And we can set up a little plan for you because I'm telling you, this will make a giant difference in the way you get through divorce. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 